LinkedIn community is doing so much to help small businesses, but also personally helping people with their financial health during COVID-19. Important things. And I'm going to get our incredible panelists to introduce themselves. Yes, my name is John McDearman with Wilson Bank and Trust. And I'm Nathan Harris with Liberty State Bank. When we talk about budgeting, I always say my friend Dave Ramsey calls it, oh, that dreaded B word, but it's not a bad word. Budgeting is very important. How are you instructing customers and people and helping them and guiding them? Because budgeting is not an instinct. It is the toughest first step because you want to go right to what your vision is and what your end result is. But backing back into what do the numbers look like, starting with a truly a budget and being okay to share that with your banker and with others in your industry say, hey, what might I be missing here? Keeping secrets from a banker just kind of doesn't work, does it? No, it really doesn't work. And like John said, we were talking earlier, and one of the things that uh, I think is so important, uh, especially for individuals, small businesses, whatever you are right now, is is the, your liquidity. If you've got cash as a small business, you're able to do things and continue to run your business as you need to. And individually, same way, if that cash position is so important, whether that's future investments or just paying the bills as they're coming in right now. Needs over wants. You talk about paying bills. Are you seeing people come in and saying, okay, you know what, we can actually live without this or this or this. Yeah, I think that's such a big conversation right now. I think we're seeing a lot of people sort of re-examine their own financial situation and, and thinking about what's the most important thing for me to be spending money on. And as bankers, we, we think through those things. I think about those things for my own family. And, and we're seeing a lot of conversations, whether it's small business or individuals, thinking about what is truly important for this business to continue to stay open, continue to run, and to pay employees and, and take care of people the way we have been doing. When it comes to any kind of emergency, any kind of disaster, the people come out of the woodwork with scams. How are you helping your clients and your customers when it comes to the scam artists that come along? Well, what we have at our bank is somewhat unique. We have a guy by the name of Elvis, Elvis Huff, and we call it security stuff with Elvis Huff. (laughs) Elvis, we have like a caricature behind it, but seriously, it's something that our customers can relate to, and they've gotten to know Elvis and watch for his tips that come out. We keep those in front of people because you're absolutely right. When you are most vulnerable is when the people sometimes seem to attack. And so if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Even an email that seems like it could be legit, go through those steps of making sure you know the person it came from. And just anything when it comes to your banking information, know that your bank would never ask for that from you. They were would ask for identification in different ways. When it comes to commercial banking, are businesses also uh, vulnerable to scam artists? Oh, absolutely. I, and I really want to hire somebody now at our office that's named Elvis because I love that uh, <laughs> important stuff with Elvis stuff. That's that's great. So commercial clients, uh, individuals, there are scam artists across the board who are targeting different segments of business. And one of the ways that we really try to help take care of our commercial borrowers and, and depositors is looking out for wire fraud. Wire fraud is such a big deal among a lot of our attorneys and other real estate professionals. Certainly that is a way that people take advantage of the system and prey on those type of companies. So protecting them, informing them, educating them on what are the things you should be looking for and watching out for. When you're told to have an emergency fund, whether it's personal, whether it's in your business, everyone's told have an emergency fund. When you're living a little bit close to the bone, how do you form one and how much do you put in it? I think as you get started, making sure that one, you start with enough to start your business 
probably the biggest mistake we see is they don't have enough capital built in. They think they can start it and take off much quicker than it actually will. And so trying to work through those projections. But kind of going back to your emergency fund, it's about doing the small things. It's about taking, you know, one night a week and not eating out when you've normally done that. It's about uh, the wants and needs. It's about taking one purchase instead of spending those dollars sitting aside. Uh, I think that the best way to do it is if you happen to work for an employer that, that takes money out before you ever see it, that's the key, right? Because once it gets in your hands or your pocketbooks, it makes it tough. So coming up with a plan to do that. When you tell a business to have an emergency fund and they don't, how do you help them in retrospect? That is really hard this year. In other years, we've figured out ways to look through their accounting and their budgeting and uh, their profit loss statements and their balance sheets and, and find some holes where they could fill in some ways and say, okay, maybe you could save some money here and put that aside for a rainy day. I was talking about this with coworkers earlier, and he used the word rainy day, and then he rephrased that. And he said, or in 2020, it may be a rainy year, and we may be having a whole year instead of a rainy day fund. We need a rainy year fund. And I, I think that's true, right? It's a rainy season right now, and uh, it's hard to find the extra dollars right this moment. And certainly, there's ways that you can look through um, your, your financial documents, your financial statements, and your payrolls, and all those things, and try to pull out a few dollars. But adding those together, like John said, you know, make smart choices around the things between wants and needs are, are really the first and only place to start. Everybody right now, especially in the mortgage world, is preaching low interest rates. Let's talk about how that affects people in general, your banking customers, those low interest rates. Yeah, I was talking to one of our mortgage loan officers, and their passion is to help help people to refinance in order to save money and think about the dollars are being put back in their pockets by doing that. And so I think that's a great way for our bankers to focus on that is those cost savings. In doing so, there was a stat out there that said 90% of Americans that own homes would benefit at, at one point. I think the rates are up slightly now, but when the rates were at the bottom from refinancing. And so making sure that you're taking advantage of those because it truly does just put money right back in your pocket. People don't even realize if they've got a lot of equity in a home, that might be a built-in emergency fund if you refinance. Is that right? Yeah, it can be seen that way for sure. And we've experienced a lot of growth in this area and a lot of homes have a lot of equity and, and that's a great thing. If you've bought in the last five years and held that home for a while, you there's a good chance you've got a nice little chunk of equity there. Just be aware of uh, really what that does to your overall budget, right? So yes, you may be able to set some money aside uh, and use that as your sort of built-in rainy day, rainy season fund, but it also is going to adjust some other things on your expense side, right? That, that payment may go up because you took some cash out of your house. So you just need to make sure you factor those type of things in. Interest rates are have been at all-time lows, and you know there, there's no doesn't seem to be a lot of indication they're going to skyrocket anytime soon right at this moment. So um, there's still a great time for that. And like John said, if you can go around saving people money on their monthly bills, that's a great feeling for mortgage officers, uh, for bankers, and whether you're on the commercial side or the consumer side. We understand it with homes. As a loan officer for businesses, how are the rates for that? Yeah, th- those are set a little differently and not exactly the same way our mortgages uh, are, are priced. Uh, most banks are setting those rates internally um, and, and setting some some interest rate floors and things around, around where interest rates are right now. But it's certainly a great time. Uh, we are basically at historic lows with interest rates. We were here in 2008 and 2009, 2010, and we're back here. 
banks really can run promotions and, and do some things to really save some people some money. But rates dropped drastically for banks and commercial loans all through March and April. Um, John saw that. We saw that. All the banks experienced that. And it's really up to that bank to sort of see where they feel comfortable and where they can still continue to offer great service and, and be, do a good job as a bank for their clients there. This week, I've met several small businesses that have started in the last month. Started. But they're doing well. It depends on the business. If somebody walks into your bank today, how do you guide them with starting a new business? Do you say, look, wait till next year? My feeling is, is cautiously optimistic. I mean, I think that if we all looked at our own numbers and if you talk to your customers, which we all do, there are some businesses that are thriving during this time. So it really depends on what segment of the market you're in. We also know there's some that are severely struggling. And so where are we on the in-between that? But I will go back to it starts with a good plan. And, you know, is the plan realistic? Uh, what kind of support do you already have? We ask people this a lot, but, you know, if you're starting a new business, what what are your layups, the things you know that will happen or that can easily help you get off the ground? We're, we're not discouraging because, I I mean, I think that just recently read a book, right or wrong, of, you know, reminded me, and it's called Growth Mindset. I mean, people may have already read it, but just that there are opportunities around every corner. It's how you take advantage of those and then – as a step back, it's the plan that you have in place. And then what if you do have to pivot like we've had to do over the last six to nine months? Can you do that with the model that you currently have? And is that something that we as a bank can buy into with you to try to help you? This particular guy has a landscape business and he expanded and opened a nursery. And he said, I'm going to sell the plants that I put in. And he can't keep enough plants. He said, I had no idea that it would work that well. So you're right. It depends on the business. Some people are thriving. Let's talk about the different banking products that help a customer that you have at Wilson Bank. We have obviously seen the adoption of all of our mobile um, online products just take off, um, you know, probably back in February or March, you know, throughout our bank, we probably opened about 50 accounts per month online. That number is more than tripled. And industry tells you too, and, and it stayed there. And so people have just found, and we have found through the PPP loan program, as well as through just the changes, that our customers are willing to do things differently. And once they have tried them, they realize that it's a much more convenient way. And so at some times, if they can be at home at night, open an account at 10 o'clock because they didn't have to do it. Maybe they own a small business and they're, you know, have been working on their business and in their business all day long. So it is the only time that they can do it. We have a lot of those online capabilities. What we try to do beyond that, though, is pair that with a human interaction. So they may go on there and they can start to finish online, but us reach back out after the, the transaction's over and say, hey, you know, we understand you did online, but we're here to help. And if you need us in any way, here's the other ways you can reach us via email, via phone, or, or, or even in our case, you can come into the offices and we're there for you. So it's working. And I think you'll see customers continue to increase their adoption of our products and services online. You know, there was a time when online deposits were kind of scary. People was like, well, where is this going exactly? And now I can't imagine my life without online deposits. And I think if you're a business trying to get to the bank on time to make those business deposits, can they do that online for like a big business deposit? 
Yeah, I think you're seeing, like John said, so many more businesses adopt, uh, along with consumers, adopt sort of this process and program. And uh, there's remote deposit capabilities. There's the online version of still snapping the the check with your phone. I mean, you can do that as a business sale in in most banks. So uh, the technology is there. It's certainly being used more now than it was nine months ago. Absolutely. And we're seeing a lot of our business clients asking for these things. But like John said, there's nothing better than working with a small local bank, a community bank that also puts a face behind that too, that they get a phone call from me or a member of my team uh, who helps take care of them and they get to know us so that when they have questions around cash flow or questions around their interest rate on their loan, they don't just have a website to go to, they can come to us. So you can marry sort of those two things together to bring like John and I've talked about, you know, the best version of a customer service uh, with both the technology and the face-to-face human interaction. That person in your hometown that knows you, it's priceless. When it comes to advice that you give to your customers, face-to-face advice, what are some things that you have found yourself saying to people that are scared, they're behind, Have you had to advise someone to close a business or have you guided them so they didn't have to? I've been in banking for 22 years, so I've seen a little bit of all of it, you know, and uh, there's no better feeling than to help somebody buy that home or build their, uh, build their, build their first home, their dream home. And there's nothing more, you know, demoralizing than see folks that didn't make it in their small business or, you know, couldn't get over, get over the hump. And so I have experienced both those highs and lows. The things that I try to share is communication, you know, all the way through, regardless how good about how good it is or how rough it is, communicate that with your banker and be open and honest and so many times I think it's we're fearful it's we're uncomfortable to tell our banker that it's not going well or this isn't working right but if we know all the information that's when we're best and sometimes we can catch it before it's too late for you uh so open and honest communication I think is a is is really important and another thing that that uh actually Nathan and I talked about earlier is, is finding your group of people that you trust your tribe or whatever you call them that you can also bounce your ideas off of they may have been in a similar situation or a similar industry or just maybe are a good listener for you. But create those people around you that will also give you good, honest feedback. And hopefully your banker is one of those. But beyond that, it's just people in your life that you care about or care about you. What is a piece of advice that someone gave to you that you found yourself giving to somebody else? That's a great question. I think one of the things that John said just a second ago about having your tribe is so important. You know, I think back sort of between banks. I owned small business here in Lebanon for about about two and a half, three years. And having the right people around me, not only financially, but supporting me through somebody I could call and vent to about a hard day. There, there's so much emotion that you pour yourself into that small business, a small business owner, that you have to sometimes have other people to help support you up. Um, and when you've got those people, that not only helps your business, but helps you stay at it. It helps you see a light at the end of the tunnel. It helps you know that this is a worthy endeavor for you to continue to try. And and it also can help you at some point say, maybe it's time to pivot to something else. If you've got great people around you and great friends and great advisors, sometimes the best advice they can give you is maybe it's time to try something new. And it's difficult to hear, but I've just found myself hearing those words and then passing those words on to other people. And hopefully they, they're impactful for small business clients and, and consumers in general. I mean, I think that's, that's a story that can go all the way around. 
I wanted to bring this back to 10 Community. How has that affected you and how have you been able to bring people in and see it help them? When this first got started, I, I, was, I was excited to be a part of a group of bankers who wanted to give back to their community. And when it was positioned to me and John called me and said, hey, I really think your bank should be involved with this. And he was right. In 2008, 2009, we may have been the bad guys, right? Banks and real estate were the issue with the economy, and we had to all sort of suffer through that, and banks particularly suffered. Right now, we can be the good guys, and banks can really help businesses and help consumers and do some really good things. So when we were given the opportunity to join on, uh, we were excited about doing that. And obviously, we've posted the billboards. We've promoted the marketing pieces. I've talked to small businesses directly. This group is helping advertise, helping promote, helping encourage encourage people to shop, shop local, shop small, spend their money here. Uh, it's been very important for all of our small business in Wilson County uh, to be a part of this and for us to continue to promote it. I'll ask you to close with the impact that 10 Community has offered for your customers and how have you been able to bless people by just turning them on to this great resource? We all are in this together, and I think that the thing that we all have in common in the bankers group as well as with our customers is we we are Wilson County. What makes you unique is the unique businesses that you have here that have people that had an entrepreneurial spirit that started with an idea and now have a very successful company. And so by having 10 community that they can go to and lean on and hopefully we can be not only supporting them with education and promotions of their businesses and helping them tell their story, but that it will affect their bottom line as well. That would be success for our group. And we said early on, We don't know if we'll affect one or 1,000 or 10,000, but whatever it is, we're going to do this together and be a part and hopefully have a movement here that that does make a difference because at the end of the day, it's it's not about any one of us in this world. It's about who we can lift up and help out. So that was our, that's what, that's what's behind it. My name's John McDearman with Wilson Bank and Trust. I'm Nathan Harris with Liberty State Bank. Local business, bankers, chambers of commerce. That is 10 Community. Find out more about the free resources at 10community.com.